0: Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics brought to you by Swan.com. So are you wondering about what RGB is? I think it's one of those concepts that maybe people have heard of, but maybe they're not quite familiar with what it is. So joining me today is Dr. Maxim Orlovsky of the LNP BP standards association and also of pandora and we talk a little bit about what it is the history of rgb client-side validation as a concept and what it can be used for and is it just for tokens or are there other uses of this also and if you're interested in the technical aspects of bitcoin and you're looking to learn to build with bitcoin consider base 58 it is a bitcoin protocol school by lisa nugget also known as nifty nye So if you're looking for a job in Bitcoin development or perhaps you are already working in the space and looking to brush up your skills, Base58 has classes and materials ranging from beginner developers all the way up to expert level classes. There are online classes as well as in-person intensive classes where you can learn with a guided pathway from bitcoin and lightning experts so for example the taproot intensive in-person class is coming up soon it's going to cover taproot tapscript Schnorr, frost and music too this in-person taproot class is coming up just prior to tabconf in atlanta from the 4th to the 6th of september and it's also on again in austin on the 13th to the 15th of november so go to base58.info or see the link in the description to sign up and learn bitcoin development the show is also brought to you by the lead sponsor, Swan.com. And Swan are putting on Pacific Bitcoin Festival. It was a fantastic experience last year at Pacific Bitcoin as a conference. And this time it's going to be even bigger and better with an awesome range of top notch speakers people like Max Kaiser and Stacey Herbert, Preston Pish, Greg Foss, Alex Gladstein, Corey Clipston, and a whole range of Swan people, as well as Lynn Alden, Jimmy Song, and so many more. So the dates are October 5th to 6th. 2023 in LA at the Barker Hangar. This is going to be an amazing experience. Make sure you grab some friends or family members who are interested to learn about Bitcoin and bring them along. This will be a great experience for you and for your family and friends to meet a whole cast of Bitcoiners who are out there and trying to push this movement forward. So go to pacificbitcoin.com use code LAVERA for a discount on your tickets and remember the dates are October 5th and 6th in LA and I'm hoping to see you there. And now onto the show. Maxim, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, and thank you for inviting.
0: Yeah, so uh, I'm hoping to have an episode where listeners can learn a little bit about what RGB is, a little bit about the ecosystem. Now, some listeners, regular listeners may have already heard my episode with Federico Tenga from Bitfinex, and he's working on their particular RGB project. But here, we're going to talk to you and hear a little bit from your perspective. So do you want to just give us, for people who don't know you, can you give us a little bit of a background on yourself?
1: Well, my own background comes from the neuroscience, from where I moved into the artificial learning, uh, machine learning, and artificial intelligence uh, sphere. And from that uh, part, I went uh, because basically I wasn't satisfied with the way the, the modern systems work, starting from the academia up to the uh, up to the actual economics and country. So I got into this. Uh, censorship resistance ideas and from there to cypherbank and from there to bitcoin and uh, that's where i am if i would put it really briefly
0: great um so yeah let's get into rgb and so again we're going to try to keep it basic and explain keep keep it accessible for everybody so at a high level you know what is rgb like why why do we need this thing
1: yeah, uh, th- th- that's a very good question because uh, per- first probably we should start with defining what RGB is because it had quite a long evolution and from the, its inception in 2015 till today, it has ch- changed a lot. Uh, so probably I would start uh, with a bit of historical overview uh, why it had started, what it has become and why people need what it have become potentially need. So maybe that's if that's okay with uh okay. So uh, the idea of RGB came uh, in 2015-16 and uh, the, the the person who coined the idea was Jakamazuko who is usually very well known in Bitcoin community and the reason why he came with this idea because it was the days of the early Ethereum and icor has starting happening popping up everywhere and uh even before Ethereum, there were a lot of attempts uh, to do the, uh, something more than just Bitcoin and uh, something more than money. The, you, you remember all these Mastercoin projects and colored coin before, if, before that. And uh, uh, Giacomo, at least what he is telling as a part of his story, he was frustrated with that. It all blows blockchain use. It's all very inefficient. And uh, he thought that it's a very improper way of doing tokens on uh, Bitcoin. And he stumbled upon the idea of Peter Todd, who was a friend of him, and Peter told was one of the earliest Bitcoiners and uh, cryptographers. He was uh, always working on something uh, that makes uh, the way Bitcoin works more efficient. And actually, from his work, earlier work on uh, open timestamps, on the idea of timestamping, he developed a a more elaborate uh, concept of uh, client-side validation. And uh, there was also an idea of single-use seals, which I will be talking a bit later, but I just don't want to get into technical details yet. But basically, he did an open timestamps, which was a very clear idea. You don't need to put the information to timestamp into blockchain. You don't need to create op return and store the whole document there. You just put a hash. And this is the hash of the Merkle root of uh, the tree, which commits to arbitrary large number of the documents. And all this Merkle tree is kept outside of blockchain. And when you need to prove something, you provide the document, which is not stored on chain, just peer-to-peer. You provide the Merkle path, which is again not stored on chain, it's just peer-to-peer. And then you can verify against just a single hash written into the blockchain. So that was the first step with the idea of client-side validation, because this is the case of client-side. Validation. There are certain data which are kept outside of chain, completely off chain. These are non financial in any way, so it's not related to any assets to anything. It's, it's just uh, proofs that something existed and was known prior, prior to a certain point in time. And you send this information peer to peer outside of Bitcoin, outside of Bitcoin network, outside of on chain data, and the party that receives it validates it on its own side. And you're not requiring all bitcoin nodes in all of the world to do this validation work for all open time stamps because it's pointless like why everybody needs to validate that so that that was the birth of that concept yeah so
0: just to, just so i can understand just to make sure we're going everyone's following along so the paradigm maybe in earlier years people just thought it would be this idea of everything going on chain which is obviously not yes. going to work right and no, they'll so, scale. Yeah, least. they'll just never scale. And, uh, you know, then I think there's also this idea, this concept of a global state machine, which also kind yes. of doesn't work, right? Like, so I think the paradigm that Bitcoiners are working in is more like each node does its own verification and that's it. And that's kind of what we're getting yes. at. And I think that's kind of what you're also getting at with this idea of client side validation, as opposed to trying to put something into a, let's say, a global computer, let's say. It's just not going to be feasible to have the world's financial transactions done in that way and so you know using bitcoin techniques and technology you're minimizing what actually has to go on chain per se that's kind of a very loose but simplified explanation of what's happening here right
1: Yeah, exactly. And probably I even uh, extend this story from just history perspective, but I will use the history events to explain certain concepts around RGB such that when we get to the end of the history we understand what RGB is. So, uh, specifically addressing what you just said, you are absolutely right. So, putting the state on chain is, it doesn't scale. It doesn't make sense. And the, the direction which Ethereum has took in 2014, so just recently before the birth of this client-side validation of RGB ideas was exactly what Peter and Giacomo understood is invalid. And uh, I had my own saying that if Ethereum is a world computer, it is the world computer with just a single keyboard, meaning that <laughs> maybe it's a world computer, but all developers have to use the same keyboard to to work with this computer. Not just developers, but users. And at the end of the day, that doesn't scale. So putting the state on chain is just connect. It's the same as connect a single keyboard to the global computer. And, uh, that's the idea. You don't need the state of the chain. You don't need everybody to validate everything. Uh, if something is not part of the global consensus and timestamp is example of something that is, that shouldn't be a part of the global consensus. And that's why, uh, well the, the, the question appears, what actually should be the part of the global consensus? Well, everything that is related to preventing double spent. Or if you talk about more generic smart contracts as we will be talking later when we will come to what RGB has become, not just double spend but double commitment to any state. You don't need to be you, you, you have you need to have an ability to provably update a state only once. And order the the updates of the state gotcha. in the sequence. It's the only part where you need the global yeah. consensus. So
0: just to give a an example, if there if somebody wants to make a, a stable coin and the idea is you're tracking the transfers of that stable coin, you're you're trying to make sure that people can't, you know, double spend the stable coin, but the idea is that they are using Bitcoin's uh, chain to help make sure that it's not being double spent. And that's in the sense that, you know, it it the uh, as you are mentioning, the hash has to be validly a part of that Merkle tree. And if it's not, then you know something's wrong. Is that... Correct.
1: Yeah, you're going in the right direction, but the point is that just putting in hash into the blockchain with the open timestamps doesn't prevent a double spend because you can basically not... Uh, let's take a very famous example again. It was coined by Giacomo, like I'm a medical doctor, let's say a gynecologist or something of that sort who gives the prediction of a pair, would they have a baby, baby? would it be a ba- boy or a girl? And uh, I do the ultrasound investigation, and I say to them that, well, it will be a go. And I'm a cheeky doctor, so I'd like to be good in predicting. So Because, for instance, I can't predict. I don't have ultrasound yet. I live like 100 years before. Uh, I say always that it will be a girl, And I write in my book that it will be a boy. And when a pair has a boy, they are happy that I was wrong usually, like a toxic masculine assumption, and uh, they're not coming to me. Coming to, me. And if I was right, or if they come, I say, yeah, I brought the boy here. And if I was right and it is a girl again, they are not coming to me. So I did a double commit. I, can, I, I don't have a provably unique commitment. So the same with the timestamps. I can create two timestamps into uh, committing to two different documents at the same time, and then reveal just one, the one that I like. So this doesn't work with making a stable coin on the client side validation, and that's exactly where RGB was born. So the first thing that happened is that Peter Todd he created this concept of single-use seal, and the single-use seal is an evolvement of timestamp to prevent exactly the situation of double spending. So can we modify the timestamping such that we can probably create just a single commitment, and that's what was received. And uh, Giacomo put that okay, and now with this promise, we can make a protocol for like any token, and we don't need to store the information and the state of the token on chain. We use just a single UCL primitive and we keep the token history uh, off chain. And that's what RGB had at the, uh, had had become at the very beginning. So the name of RGB came even from this concept that we had the colored coins, which is a wrong way of doing the uh, tokens on Bitcoin. Now let's have a right way of doing, and because it was not colored coins anymore, let's call it RGB like a spectrum of yeah. the colors.
0: Okay, one other, one other area. I think maybe maybe it's more of a philosophical question or the purpose question, it's not a technical one. There might be, and I'm sure there'll be listeners out there and maybe I even agree with them, they might say, we don't need any tokens, we just need SATs, what do we need other tokens for?
1: Yes, 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 that's what I'm coming to. And uh, so it was a token protocol and not everybody was happy with this idea and I was also uh, not very happy. So, for instance, those days, uh, so they, they created the initial concept of this protocol. It was quite in 2017 or 18. They have presented it and it was just a tokens and there were other problems. Like there could be just a single token and because you can't prevent in client side validation of multiple tokens being sent to the same UTXO so basically it didn't work in these situations. So the RGB was the prototype original was working just in the world where there is just a single token of RGB exists, or you need to create a new output. And I was a friend of Giacomo those days, and I was looking uh, for the much more programma- programmability in Bitcoin because I was working on the protocol of machine learning, the point not in decentralized, but censorship resistant machine learning. So I had a feeling that soon we will have a huge censorship in uh, terms of uh, training and inferring using neural networks. It was 2018 and uh, uh, that this will stop the progress and centralize the progress and create again huge powers which will leverage the, uh, that they have just Only them have access to artificial intelligence, like governments and so on. And we will get much more, worse situation. Pretty much what we are coming these days. But I thought about that in 2018, and I was looking how to leverage that Bitcoin censorship resistance properties in order to get machine learning working in censorship resistant way. And of course, it didn't scale with blockchain. Like it was impossible to scale that on blockchain. Absolutely, like no, no, no way. And uh, that's where I have seen that RGB, the idea of these single use seals, is exactly what need to scale arbitrary complex computing in censorship way on top of Bitcoin. And arbitrary complex computing, of course, it can be a smart contracts or it can be just a token, but it's very narrow case because you can go into much larger world. You can have a true computer computing on top of Bitcoin, and it can be scalable because this also works on top of Lightning. If you separate the data and validation on the client side from the blockchain, you can put it on top of any Bitcoin transaction, no matter whether it's mined on chain or it is a part of the Lightning channel basically abstract away the blockchain. And you can work on layer two as well as on layer one. And you end, at the end of the day, you get a Turing-complete computing, censorship-resistant, scalable, on top of Bitcoin. And that the potential which I saw in RGB in 2018-19. And, and in summer, the project has revived because there was certain stagnation the last year because like the, the interest to the tokens on Bitcoin has declined. Uh, however, Bitfinex, who, who actually one of the very active participants of this project from the very beginning, uh, they had an interest of bringing Tether to light eventually because of the way how you can scale the transactions. And some other people were also interested in that. They all came together in 2019, and uh, I decided to join the project as a lead developer. And together with Giacomo, we established an LNPBP Standards Association because we wanted to put it aside from any business. So there is a Bitfinex, there were several other companies who were yeah. interested in that, who were providing Actually, funding.
0: On this, do you mind just explaining who the ecosystem a little bit? Because, you know, there's different entities. There's for-profit entities and then there's the non-profit standard Entity. So, can you just explain a little bit for people who aren't familiar yeah. who, who are the main players, let's say, in in RGB world yeah. today?
1: Well, I, I will explain how it started and then I will say what, what it happened. So, the idea in 2019, when the project was revived, uh, we had a number of entities interested, commercial entities, primarily Bitfinex, Tether, there was Fulgur Ventures, which are the uh, venture fund, and they wanted all uh, the. Companies, they invested in Bitcoin sphere to use RGB, so they also joined this initiative. Uh, There was certain interest from um, uh, Bitrefill those days. There was also another company called InBitcoin. There was my company, which was interested also in building this machine learning on RGB. Uh, Probably there were some other players. I maybe just, I can't recall all of them. It was also Federico personalism. And we decided we need to structure that because if we will do the same way like Lightning did, having just a commercial entity trying, with all the conflict of interest, trying to do the protocol layer and then commercial products, we already saw the problems with that approach. We also didn't want to have something like uh, in non-Bitcoin world, in crypto world. So the decision was to create a non-profit organization which will... uh, make sure that the protocol development happens independently from commercial interests. And let's funnel all the funding that we are get, getting for the development through this uh, organization. And the organization was created and named LNPBP Standards Association. What, what is LNPBP? LNPBP is the uh, term meaning that Lightning Network Protocol, Bitcoin Protocol. So everything we've put it the way that, uh, everything that doesn't require software of Bitcoin Uh, and can be made on top of Bitcoin as layers on top of Bitcoin is part of LNPBP stack. And the uh, wordplay was against TCPIP, like TCPIP became the standard for the internet, the LNPBP can become the standard for the new generation of internet, decentralized censorship resistant services, which are made as a layers on top of uh, Bitcoin. And RGB was clearly that sort of protocol, so that's kind of still the main, one of the main projects of LNPBP Association, there are more than, than just RGB, but, uh, and... Basically, uh, I started doing the full-time development of RGB Protocols, the part of the association. Uh, Through all these years, there were some companies joining, leaving, so for some period of time, we didn't have any funding, and we had to run with our own funds and my company funds. Uh, Then there was a reappearance of the interest and so on and so forth, so we've been through four years of development. And uh, the current ecosystem consists of, uh, again, uh, BitPhoenix and Tether doing their own project on top of RGB. They do not participate directly in the association anymore since 2021, probably. And uh, But they do invest into their own team there are other companies like uh deba who is doing the wallet like uh, my companies there are independent developers who are interesting which uh, there is fulgur ventures Uh, there is another foundation called hoyo foundation they provide funding to that further development and uh, of course there are many companies which we don't even know who do build who are building something on top of rgb we heard about several of them and that is what ecosystem looks like today.
0: Okay, gotcha. Okay so, so can we just go back to the question around um, for some users who may not really care about tokens and things like that? If you just explain your perspective there, um, why is it useful or are there other aspects of RGB? That would be interesting, yeah. even for somebody who doesn't give a shit about tokens, let's say.
1: Yeah, exactly. So in 2000, back in 2019, I didn't give a shit about tokens as well. So for me, rgb was a computing layer on top of Bitcoin. And computing means much more than just tokens or even than just finance. Because with computing, you do, can do more. For instance, you can have a decentralized naming system. Like ENS, which doesn't again scale, you can have something that does and um, unlike dns is censorship resistant and there is no token required for that you can do a better web of trust uh, again without any token having them uh, you can solve the revo- key revocation key problem uh, with the such layer because now with a web of trust if you revoke a key uh, problem of your own you have to use key service infrastructure which is not reliable and again you can like you, one party, you can present with the information that the key was reworked, The other party may not know that information. So it's not provably unique operation. And with RGB, you can convert that into a globally signaled event again without the need to uh, store all the data on chain. So I saw a perspective of, com- of converting the token protocol, which RGB was, into a well, we can say smart contract system, but even more into a computing um, layer on top of Bitcoin, the, the, it should be the programmability which Bitcoin was lacking. It should be the programmability that Lightning was lacking. So, of course, one can use this programmability to issue uh, shitcoins or do some scam. For sure, there will be multiple of these things appearing. But again, if somebody can kill with a knife, it doesn't mean that the knife is a bad thing. So it's yeah, it's, it's a not neutral tool to be
0: used. Okay, yeah, and it's so, a tool. Yeah, and so that means there are different i guess part of that is you're trying to articulate what are the uses of rgb so as you were saying you know for some people maybe they do care maybe they care about stable coins now i don't personally use stable coins i don't advocate them etc but i know there'll be maybe an audience who are interested in that because maybe they want to build something like that with stable coin like features and then maybe there's other um again nfts again i don't care about nfts but there might be other people who want to do something like that um and then I also see you have some uses uh, on the site around the kind of again I don't like the term but DeFi right like the crypto kind of stuff but something like that in a in a in a in a Bitcoin way but without let's say with different with a you know done in a different style. So could you just explain a little bit what would that look like? You know, just to give us an, an idea what what that is.
1: You, you mean financial part of the smart contracts uh, right
0: yeah so for example I think you I think you've referred to this as byFi Bitcoin finance
1: yeah yeah okay let's let, let's jump into that topic so uh the the, the situation here is that I think that you, one can't say that finance are bad always that uh, you just can have a money and no finance because basically well, Let's start with what finance is. And finance is a sort of contracts between parties on the market that uh, provide certain qualities which can't be provided uh, just by money. And example, a very simple example is a, is a future contract. For instance, I need a corn this autumn to be able to produce like something that I'm doing out of corn. And I need a guarantee that I will be able to buy the corn with a price which is below my uh, the price I can sell because otherwise I wouldn't be able to do a business. So I just do a future contract and that's a fair finance. It doesn't involve any token, it doesn't involve necessarily, it doesn't involve anything and if you imagine the hyper-Bitcoinized world, I really doubt that it would be able to work without financial contracts like futures and options. Or I just do a business. I would like to issue a shares. What's wrong with that? I can do a Bitcoin-only business and I would like to have a shareholders. I need to attract investors. So I don't believe that you can just get with the money, get on with the money and not without the finance. So that's the point of Bitcoin finance. So it's a finance made around Bitcoin and inheriting properties of Bitcoins, which are just main two properties, the censorship resistance, which is needed, and uh, the privacy And Bitcoin, while Bitcoin is quite bad at privacy, with the client side validation, the problem of privacy is solved because the information is not stored on blockchain. You don't have a transaction graph anymore. So even with that, there is a very important use of RGB itself, which I didn't set before, Other than just programmability, it's a privacy layer of Bitcoin because uh, when you operate in RGB, you destroy the chain analysis basically much better than you can do that with a coin join. And uh, but sorry, let's let's talk about that in a moment. But go back to BFI and Bitcoin Finance. So the finance we need, we need the finance, and do we need the finance to be censorship resistant? Well, I do believe yes. There is a lot of opponents to that they say well finance is anyway centralized yes of course like i don't think that the problem we are solving is the problem of centralization or decentralization so i'm not into this crypto blockchain narrative that uh, what it does is removing man in the middle that it uh, does the decentralization well it doesn't do anything so it's not true there is no decentraliz- real decentralization. There is no real removal of the man in the middle because instead of some organization in the middle, you now have a smart contract in the middle, which nobody can even properly predict how it would behave because even the formal analysis of the code sometimes misses the hacks. So you still have something in the middle, which is like, okay, not a human, but something else, but still it doesn't solve the main problem. Uh, and there is developers of this contract, they're taking fee anyway, so it's still thing in the middle. So I don't believe the crypto solved that problem. And the problem that is needed to be solved is not decentralization, but censorship resistance and privacy. So uh, one can say, I can run a SQL database and do the future contracts on the SQL database, but you wouldn't have a censorship resistance, you wouldn't have privacy. You would have an attack vector against you. And uh, what RGB provides for the privacy, why you need to build the financial world on top of Bitcoin and not just outside an SQL database, is that it provides the extraction for the censorship resistance and privacy. So if I issue my shares, I would like to have a secondary market which can operate independently. And I don't want a regulator coming to me and saying, you need to ban these shareholders because I must not have ability to do that technical ability. And when I do not have that technical ability, then that is much better uh, system.
0: I see. Okay, yeah. So it's interesting because I've heard some of the critiques of this idea of having stocks on the blockchain, or you know, maybe uh, even things like um, maybe things like Stoker for liquid and things like that. Of like, oh, what's the point of having it on a blockchain when the ultimate, you know, it's it's if we're talking about a security, as in a share of a company, why would that even like that's not decentralized anyway, right? Like, obviously, it's a company, uh, uh, you know. But I, I guess what you're getting at is. To accept that idea that, yeah, it's not decentralized, but rather the record of transference. Like if I earn, you know, if you and I are both shareholders of some company or whatever, or if I'm selling some shares to you, you're saying in this context, we could be selling shares to each other of the company, and that part is being recorded or at least being, how would I say this, is being facilitated we by moved, the system. abstracted. Yeah, it's being facilitated by the system, yeah.
1: And that's very important, actually. it's uh, The important is larger than uh, what can be seen on the first uh, glance. Because when we go back to how the modern liberal economy was born, we would uh, recall that in Netherlands and uh, in Great Britain, uh, there were companies issuing first shares, creating first stocks. There were first exchanges appearing. And all of that stuff, first of all, it wasn't created by government. It was created by free market, so a clear indication yep. that market needs this stuff. And the second, they all had a form of bearer rights, meaning that uh, if I'm a shareholder of some company, I have this paper which says that I'm shareholder of that company, and that paper is kept by me. I'm self-custodian of this, not by an exchange, and this paper is the way I can prove that and... That is very different from how the world works today. Today, this is made illegal in most jurisdictions, which is very similar to a bit, to gold being illegal uh, to be uh, held by U.S. U.S. citizens back in the days of the end of the gold standard. Uh, and this right has been withdrawn. Now, if you are a shareholder, the approval uh, of your shareholding is the ledger. And the entry of the ledger, which is kept by the exchange or some central party or even the company itself. And that's a huge difference, especially in terms of the privacy. Because uh, today, for instance, BVI, one of the jurisdictions where you may have a um, very right shareholding. So if you have a company on BVI, you have the certificate which you put into the cell or into a safe at home. And nobody in the world would know that you are a shareholder. There is no way for regulators to come into the office of BVI company and ask the list of shareholders because there is none like you don't know who has the certificate because i can go to you and sell it directly and nobody in the world would know that and once you get into the ledger world today world and i think that's why blockchain is really bad because blockchain is the ledger and the ledger is the centralization of information so any blockchain is not about decentralization but about centralization
0: i see yeah, I was just thinking: um is there a case where transparency would be opted into, though? As an example, so like, would you say would you have companies where they want the shareholders' names to be public for whatever reason, or maybe it's some corporate then governance thing? can
1: publish their names. Yeah, like you can't uh, make you can't enforce privacy. The only thing you can enforce is the absence of privacy, but you can't. Enforce privacy, because if the person reveals his identity, if uh, the shareholder reveals his shareholding, there is nothing in the world how you can stop him from doing that. I see.
0: And it would be, in this case, provable that they are an owner. It's like, they're not just lying, they're not just saying, oh, I own 10% of this company. No, it's like, actually, you can verify it. Yes,
1: yes. So, this... Bearer rights instrument is a huge privacy deal. It's not only privacy deal; it's also censorship resistance deal because they always go in parallel. Because today, if I'm a shareholder but I can't access the stock exchange, my shareholding worth nothing because uh, I can't sell my shares, and that is where the censorship comes into place. And when we move back to the, the bearer rights, I can do that OTC. But today, with uh, existing shares, I can't do that, OTC. And the same applies to futures, to options, to many other things. So I think that financial world today is broken in that regard. It's completely centralized and censored. And it has the same problem as monetary world. And if Bitcoin solved the problem of money, it has the same potential of solving the problem of finance, centralization, censorship, and privacy, uh, and absence of the privacy. So that's where RGB starts in terms of finance. So if we are talking about finance application of RGB this bitcoin finance RGB is a bearer right instrument for finance. And in RGB you keep your proofs of the ownership on the client side. You just replace the piece of paper with a digital thing and that's it. And unlike with a paper thing, you you can of course verify, you can check the signature, but I can counterfeit and I create two different certificates and sell them to two different people. So I can double spend. But with RGB, I can't because I am using this single UCL primitive, which probably creates a singular spending committing down to the Bitcoin transaction. I see. And that's that's where actually the revolution happens. So that's why I say that RGB can revolutionize the way the financial industry work today bringing privacy and censorship resistance to you.
0: gotcha okay so yeah so we've spoken a little bit about the ecosystem what are some of the potential uses as we mentioned things like it could be tokens which could be stable coins or others it could be art thing nft things which again i'm not interested in but maybe there's some financial application where maybe in the future there'd be applications there for recording of shares things like this um, so we spoken a little bit about those elements. Let's talk a little bit about the technical aspects of it. So do you want to just explain a little bit more from a technical perspective? Now, I understand today, it's like most of the RGB stuff is on chain, but the idea is to sort of move it off chain. So could you just explain a little bit more about the technicals of how to achieve some of these ideas and maybe explain a little bit about the single use seal as well?
1: Yes, uh, well, the, the concept is very simple and at the same time it's very hard to explain. Like, uh, it's, even uh, I was into it and it took more than a year probably for me to understand uh, how all the details work. So I will try my best. The concept is simple because there is a fundamental property we are all aware about Bitcoin, which is if I have a Bitcoin UTXO, I can spend it only once. Yeah. Well, I can do I can double spend, but at the end of the day only one spending will be finalized. Yeah. So once I if I count the blocks, once it get buried into certain amount of blocks, uh, then I can pro- probably present information of the probability that this is final. And of course in the history of blockchain I can't double spend uh, UTXO. In, in the mind blocks because like it would be an invalid uh, blockchain. Then. Uh, so that's clear. If I have Bitcoin LTXO I can spend it only once. So can I extend this property outside of blockchain? Can I extend this property out of Bitcoin as a coin from BTCX? Well, I think I can. But let's do it right now. We can do a, a simple version of RGB protocol just in words. We don't need anything because this protocol is purely purely logical. So, the way how we implement it, are we writing on a paper or in a messenger or in some specific form of binary data, it's implementation detail. What is important is the logic. So let's do a simple RGB or single UCL based protocol. I can tell to you that my name is Maxim, but it could be that in the future, I would like to change my name, and it will be my decision only. You agree with that, right? Yeah. And uh, when I change my name, this is a singular event. So it shouldn't be that if I change my name to, let's say, Alex, uh, I tell that to you, and uh, I, some other pa- some other people I will tell that my name is Bob, for instance, like, yeah. mm, it doesn't work like that. We would like to make this name change just a singular event and that it's either happened nor it haven't happened. And when it happens, you can always say what is the name. So we agree that when I change my name, This is UTXO I do control. Again, I can take some UTXO. uh, I can prove that I control this UTXO by signing with with the key or with the address. So you know that I do control this UTXO. And I'm saying that uh, when I change my name, I will spend this UTXO. And inside the transaction, which will be spending this UTXO, this will be a singular transaction. In the first output, I will put a commitment to my new name.
0: Gotcha, How
1: many times can I change my name?
0: Well, after you've spent that output, it's as we said, you're relying on the Bitcoin aspect that it's once it's already been spent it's each UTXO is destroyed yes. and new ones created.
1: Can I put two commitments? There is just a single transaction inside that single transaction spending that UTXO so, there is a very well defined singular place where commitment can be present. So basically when I change my name, you will always know even if we are not talking to each other because you contract this UTXO on chain. And you see, oh, it gets spent. Now, if I didn't send that to anybody else, and it's just me and you, nobody in the world even would know that something happened related to this UTX spent. Chain analysis would think, I moved several sets. But the reality is that I changed my name. And no chain analysis would know that. That is what client-side validation. And when you see this event, you can ask me, and I can provide you the new name, and you can verify that this new name is... The hash of this name is exactly hash present in the spending transaction.
0: When it comes to sending Bitcoin on-chain transactions, I always go to mempool.space to target the fee for my transaction. On the site, you can see the different fee levels that are associated for low, medium or high priority transactions so that you can set your fee accordingly. And of course, mempool.space is a comprehensive explorer you can see all kinds of things not just the mempool and the blockchain you can explore things like the lightning network you can find other lightning nodes to connect with you can search your transactions there and with mempool.space you don't have to trust a third party because it's all open source and free software you can host it yourself and run it for yourself so that way you are Calling against your own server. So MemPool.Space are also coming out with some new features, and keep an eye out for the MemPool Accelerator integration, which is coming. Go to MemPool.Space to find out more. As we say in this space, not your keys, not your coins, and CoinKite.com are making it easy for us to secure our coins and keep them away from exchanges or custodians. So over at coinkite.com, you can get a range of gear that will help you. So for example, the cold card, the latest edition is the Mark IV, is a fantastic device, it's ultra secure, it's a great way for you to take your coins off the exchange and it's very easy to set up so some people really overplay how difficult it is to use but honestly you can if you're a beginner you can just get a usb-c cable plug it into your computer and use it easily with software such as sparrow wallet or specter desktop and you can just plug it in and follow the instructions to write down the 12 or 24 words and you have a pre-pin and a post-pin and then that will allow you to generate addresses and spend and receive using your cold card as a hardware signing device. So this is a great tool for you to secure your coins. To go and get yours, go to coinkite.com and use code Levera for a discount on your cold cards. And now back to the show. Yeah, I see. Okay, so think we can think of it like my client is watching the chain. Um, because you told me, oh, this is the yes. one. This is the, commit, the UTXO I committed to, and my client is watching the chain, and then realizes, oh, there's been a movement there. Okay, Maxim changed his name.
1: Yes, yes, and nobody else would know that. And uh, the funny part is that I can put a commitment into Bitcoin blockchain even without any consumption of block size or block space.
0: So how does that work?
1: Well, there is actually multiple ways. There were ways which were existed before, like pay to contract or side to contract. So basically you tweak a public key in the output or the signature in the first input, okay. and uh, uh, you basically put a commitment there. But uh, we have created a more elaborated way, which we put, uh, which we call a top root op return commitment, or top red for simple. So basically you use the same op return, but instead putting it into the UTXO, You add that to the top. So basically, you have a top root output with the same uh, 34 bytes in in the output, which is basically a 32-byte key. But this key inside is tweaked with the commitment which is put inside the top root tree in a certain position. So basically... That that's why for instance uh Orientals inscriptions and all other related stuff is so retarded because like there is much more efficient way of doing what they are doing and without any need to use witness data at all. Like it's like kind of they, they, they went out of Stone Age without knowing anything about technology and computer science and created some, some crap. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> Well yeah, okay. So uh, I think um for so bringing back to i guess rgb and tokens and things like this the idea is the person who's creating the asset you're the one could you could you walk through a little bit about that asset creation and transfer process because i guess it's related to what we were just saying yeah
1: Yeah, it's the same like with the name. So I'm an issuer. To issue an asset, I don't need to do any on-chain operation. The only thing I need to do is to write some digital documents saying that I issue this asset and I put this asset, we call it I allocate this asset, uh, to this UTXO. Or a number of UTXOs So uh, this UTXO holds this amount of assets. that UTXO holds that amount of masses, that UTXO holds that amount of mass. That that That's it. That's the whole of the issue. I can write it on paper. It doesn't matter. And then uh, those who help those UTXO need to know about that. For instance, it's my UTXO. So I issue, a set to myself, it's the simplest way. Then when I want to send the, spend that UTXO, I'm talking to you. So let's say you would, uh, do you like to accept my shitcoin? And... <laughs> For some reason, you, you you want. Like, yes, yes, I really like your shitcoin coin. Please give me some. Okay, here is UTXO where I have my sheet coin. This is the paper saying that I issued to this UTXO. Yes, do you do you agree with that? So I'm sending you this information. You check this information. You see that everything correct. So I have my sheet coin, which I just issued. And for some reason, you need it. And uh, you say, yes, I'm fi- happy with the issue. So I'm spending this UTXO. And in the transaction spending this UTXO, which is the single transaction, I put a commitment to another document, another document, and this document called state transition. And that document says that I take out of million of the assets I issued, reference to the issuance document. Uh, I send hundred of these shitcoins to a UTXO which you provided me with the okay. UTXO that you control. And the chain go- change goes back to some other UTXO which I own. So that is a state transition which is unrelated to a blockchain. It's a separate digital document. And I hash it, and I put hash into the transaction that spans that UTXO.
0: Okay, so just to walk me through this part, does this mean currently every state transition has to hit Bitcoin's blockchain?
1: No, it has to hit Bitcoin transaction, but it can exist inside the Lightning Channel.
0: Okay, so it doesn't have to hit the chain. You can keep it off-chain. Yes. Okay
1: yes it's only it you who decide what qualities of this transaction should be so if you have an open lightning channel and you know the state of the channel it can be a lightning channel transaction if we are in the arc world where like we have ctv soft fork or something it could be a transaction which is not a part of the channel and just uh, ctv somehow commits to something but for you it should be a final transaction you should know that like eventually you can always Fail back to blockchain.
0: Yeah, okay. But I'm curious then, like, as an example, I'm just thinking... Let's say I have a lightning channel, some unrelated lightning channel, and I give that UTXO to you because I want you to issue me this coin or let's say it, yeah. it's a share in the company even. It's like not necessarily even a shitcoin; coin. It might be equity or whatever. But then that channel force closes. Like let's say the other guy force closes my channel. Do, do I lose my asset or how does that work now?
1: In that specific case, you wouldn't because the guy who force closes your channel, he doesn't. he's not able to spend your UTXO without your signature. Right. So UTXO hits on chain and it just dot not spend. So everything is fine. It is just you who should not forget uh, to properly spend your UTXO, not to lose the state which is attached.
0: to I see. It. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, because I was, I was under an impression then that, you know, if I have a lightning channel with somebody, it's a two of two multi-signature and then there might be an anchor output, but fundamentally that output might, you know, move. So
1: yeah, but it's, it it might not move without your signature.
0: I see, but I would have pre-signed that, right? Like, I might have pre-signed that transaction for the other guy. I guess... Yeah. spend
1: well if you have uh, spending for your output, you it's better you for you not to reuse it because basically you you already have a transaction spending this output, I see. so yeah. it's not unspent uh, output.
0: But yeah, but anyway, maybe it's not the best example to be honest because maybe I would rather keep I wouldn't be using maybe I would keep all my assets on a different UTXO like in this example that I wouldn't keep it on something that's kind of in flux, let's say. Um, so I guess I can kind of get that part of it and then so could you explain a little bit around rgb lightning because as i'm understanding it it's almost like a it's it's not the same as lightning today like as you know like L and you know core lightning and well
1: it it, it is it's just that the lightning node should be aware of RGB uh, to properly manage it so the protocol, the Lightning protocol itself, doesn't require any changes. What requires changes is the software, because uh, like Bitcoin transactions are still the same. It's just the software that, that needs to take the RGB state into account when creating an output, because it needs to put the commitment into that output. So in this way, basically, RGB protocol-wise, RGB is abstracted, so it can work on term, on top of Lightning, on top of Arc, Maybe tomorrow we would have like Super R. It will work on everything that is Bitcoin transaction. As as long as it is a consensus accepted Bitcoin transaction. But of course, protocol wise. But software, of course, to need to be aware about RGB and use this data. So you can't use RGB with a LMD, for instance, today. Yeah. And you need to have an, a lightning node that is aware of, uh, of RGB. Today we have to, to prototype things. The first one is uh, LMP note, which was done by uh, this island standards association and it's deliberately designed to work not with just lightning but also with rgb and the second one was done by bitfenix team for federico who we was talking yeah. to they took the uh, uh, ltk and they took the ltk node which was recently released and they uh, added rgb support to their own fork so we have at least two implementations today we plan to work on, we, we did a, a preliminary investigation with, uh, uh, with C-Lightning and uh, with Christian Decker, and we see that it is possible to add RGB to C-Lightning with plugin infrastructure. There are slight uh, modifications which are needed to the plug-in APIs in C-Lightning, but they are like very tiny and they can be merged into the main. So we may have an RGB plugin for C-Lightning as well. And that and gives us uh, one mobile node, actually two mobiles node, one just not yet widely used, which is LMP, but another LTK which is used in mobile apps. C uh, Lightning, and that's already quite quite a lot. And the interesting part is that you can, you just need two parties to, like if we have a channel and we would like to add RGB assets, it's just me and you who needs to install the RGB wire Lightning, but not the rest of the network. So
0: Okay, so it's more like, the RGB participants need to run RGB aware RGB software. Aware. Let's put it that way. That Correct. they might not need to run the the default version of a particular lightning node. They might need to run the RGB fork of that. And then they now they can, let's say, colloquially speak RGB to each other when they are issuing assets or transferring assets. And in doing so in a Lightning context, or let's say an off-chain context, those transactions don't have to hit the chain. So that's really good from a scalability and perhaps privacy perspective, right? Right. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so let's talk a little bit about um, V0.1. I know that just came out recently uh, in terms of the, uh, is it the RGB spec? And you mentioned, um, I was was reading, it mentions the global state in RGB contracts. So I'm curious, how, how are you achieving that?
1: Yeah, a uh, small note. It's zero point ten. So oh, sorry, 0.10. Like sorry zero point ten. Sorry about yeah. that. Yes. So, yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's tenth iteration, not not, not the first of the protocol. Yeah. And we think that's it's the final um, finalization of consensus layer, meaning that assets issued with this version would remain valid for in the future. So unless at least there there is no vulnerabilities discovered, so we are finally were able to shape the RGB into into the smart contract system we would like to have. Uh, and uh, the one part of the story was a difficult story with a global state. So if you try to create a computing layer or smart contracts with this paradigm, which I described to you, the uh, client-side validation and single-use seal, you see that what about the state that is not owned by some party. What what you can do with that? Like how how you can uh, manage it? And that's what is global state. The global state is something that is not owned by a well-defined party and uh how it works well it works quite simply because uh, in these documents or the state transitions you can specify some data which are not bo- owned by a- anybody and the fact that um kind of they're not owned doesn't mean that they can't be changed yeah. because the the, 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 the the thing here is that if you change them you change them from your part of the story down to those who inherit the, your part of the story but not uh, for other participants who are not interacted. So basically, you have a distributed system where you're able to update something that is not owned by anybody, and everybody who will be after you in this smart contract, they will know that because they will receive this as a part of the history data. Uh, If you want uh, that other parties, uh, somebody else unrelated to the protocol, to know this data, you just can publish them in uh, any... Any data network, uh, what is data network? Well, it can be anything. You can use Nostra, you can use Torrent, you can use IPFS, you can use Lightning, you can use many different uh, mediums. So the RGB is abstracted from specific data networks which are used for sending this client-side validated data to each other. So with, with this global state, you can think you can have uh, different stuff which can be useful in some BFI, Bitcoin finance cases. Gotcha.
0: Okay, great. Um, and so... In terms of RGB lightning, can that can that be used to just transfer Sats today, or is it more like people the, the, they're just tra- you know people are just using the Lightning network like today? That's not RGB aware. Does that does that make well, sense or no?
1: Yeah, well, you, you can transfer to Sats without RGB today with the Lightning network. So you probably need some reason to do the Sats transfer. One of the reasons could be that you would like to add more programmability to sets, so more complex conditions, and that's where you would need to put the sets into RGB. And then you will be able to transfer them in more elaborate way using the Lightning I Network. I see, yeah.
0: So it's more like maybe a person wants access to this RGB ecosystem, and because of that, they will run an RGB Lightning node or client, and then off of that now they're sending sats around because they want to use it to issue tokens and do different operations in that ecosystem. Okay, got it. We should also chat a little bit about I, I know uh, you're also involved or I think you're perhaps you're leading a team uh, doing this the My Citadel wallet. Do you want to just talk a little bit about that?
1: Yes. Uh, well, it's a wallet which we started doing It's not as a start, not as non profit, but- my company as a for-profit company but it's free open source uh, wallet and the reason for that wallet was basically we need some wallet working with RGB so we we need something that is able to work with RGB assets eventually it has moved uh, farther than that so basically because we need to do this very very cheeky thing of top return, top red commitments we needed so you just can't take any wallet that can work with that so we had to modify the uh, wallet, normal Bitcoin wallet library itself. So, we had developed our own Bitcoin wallet library, which is called uh, Descriptor Wallet, and which is more generic in what it can do, comparing to BDK and other Bitcoin libraries. And then we used it to build the wallet. And basically, uh, uh, it happened that uh, this MyCitadel wallet. Additionally to the support of RGB, it uh, has a clear, quiet support for wallet descriptors, output descriptors for mini script. So you basically, you can use MyCitadole today without RGB and do quite interesting stuff. Like you can have a time-locked, uh, degrading time-locked uh, output. So for instance, you have these conditions of two of three can spend any time signatures or one of three can spend in uh, two years from now. And you can construct that in, in, in the user interface. That's with the desktop version of uh, My Citadel, And we have some companies starting using it for the real Bitcoin operations without RGB. And that was like... And like, unexpected um, Consequence yeah. It, yeah. Interesting yeah. to see,
0: though. Yeah, that is out there. And even people who don't want RGB, that could be a useful feature for them, maybe depending on what they want to do uh, in terms of their complicated multi signature setup to have more advanced things there. Yeah, that's interesting to see. Yeah.
1: yeah, and, and it was one of the first wallets, or probably the first wallet, who was supporting Taproot uh, and t- Taproot script path spending. And uh, one of the ideas that with that wallet, you. Uh, the wallet is fully abstracted from um, um, from uh, private keys. It doesn't ever touch it. It creates a PSBT which can be signed with a hardware wallets or any other signer which can work with a PSBT. Even if you would like to have some hot key, but you still need to go outside of the wallet and use some specific signer. So that's quite.
0: Oh, I see. So it's like key agnostic, let's say, and you can save a, a PSBT file. Load that into the other wallet, sign it, and then bring it back yes. to yeah. Okay, right. gotcha. Like just like offline signing with let's say Spectre or Sparrow or similar wallets out there, or Electrum. Um, okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, so. Yeah, I guess we've done a little bit of an overview there. I guess one critique of the RGB thing I've heard is the ephemeral nature of it, right? And I guess it's, it's, it's a benefit and maybe can it be a downside in other ways that maybe that now means the user, one, has to make sure he keeps the information and maybe in some sense it makes collaboration and scaling a little more difficult. I'm curious your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's all true. Overall, I would say that it's still nothing new for Bitcoin world because in Bitcoin today, you need to keep the private key. If you lose private key, you lose your Bitcoin. And you need to keep now a wallet descriptor. Well, for trivial wallets, you can recall it, but still you need to remember. But if you have some complex setups, multi six with the time locks, you need to keep the descriptor. If you lose it, it will be really hard to recover the funds. So... RG oh, in RGB, now you would need to keep also a client-side data, just another piece of data to keep. So the, the infrastructure is already there. Unlike private key, if you lose private key, you're just not losing access to your bitcoins, but also somebody can stole them. If you lose RGB client-side data, uh, nobody can steal, steal your assets. You just can't spend them. So it's less critical than private, key, but still quite critical uh the second thing is interactivity again you have a lightning network today which requires you to be always online in rgb you don't have that requirement but you have a different requirement because you need some relay to be online or you need if uh, you are not using relay a party who sends you funds needs to be constantly online so later when you get online you can grab the, like the data latest part right. Yeah, yeah. But you can reduce existing relay networks. One of the projects we are working on is to use uh, NOS relays uh, to do that stuff. And that was one of the reasons why we abstracted the data layer from RGB because uh, we don't want to compete in the data layer. Like There are multiple protocols and the free market should decide which one is better to use. Uh, And uh, I think that is still much better than in Lightning where you have very um, strict connection much higher interactivity requirements and very, very strict connections uh, on the data propagation, which must be Lightning itself. Uh, again, if you're using RGB over Lightning, it's nothing because uh, you already have uh, in, uh, the interactivity requirement by Lightning itself, so RGB doesn't add a lot of problems. So yes, there, there, there are some trade-offs, but they are normal to Bitcoin protocols.
0: Yeah, okay. So. Where to from here? What are what are some of the things you're looking to see come out of RGB, whether that's, you know, your specific company or the ecosystem for RGB?
1: Yes. Well, there is quite a lot of things which may happen next. First of all, of course, we are looking for projects starting using RGB for real. We are still, I think, some time from it. So even we, like, The first thing I need to explain, and there is a lot of misunderstanding about that, people are asking, is RGB in mainnet or in testnet? Uh, the problem that RGB is not in net. RGB is not a network. So it's like the same as asking, uh, I don't know, uh, is my car on mainnet or on testnet? Well, my car on the road, which I put it on. Like it's not something that needs to connect. If I go, if I drive outside of my private space, it's on the main net. If i driving, it's only around my house, it's it test net. So the same with RGB, there is no network. Uh, it's it's not connecting to the there is no there, there is thing we call RGB node, but it's not node. So we we probably made an improper decision to make 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 to call, name it node because it doesn't connect to other peers. It's just an application that does something in the background so uh in rgb there is no network and you issue asset when you issue the asset you issue it to a specific uh network bitcoin mainnet and testnet it's you as an issuer who makes this decision and uh basically at the moment when you issue rgb on mainnet it is on the mainnet and each smart contract in rgb is isolated from other smart contracts meaning that it's it's, you can think about a smart contract in rgb as a shard blockchain in its own it's not a blockchain but like as an example. So there is no single thing. And there are even some assets which were issued on mainnet, and but we recommend to continue doing on testnet unless there is some significant economical activity already happened on RGB, proving that the system is secure. Because like we, we have test coverage, we, but we still don't have uh, formal audits or audits. And that's what we are looking for for the next months, And uh, we have... Uh, several companies who are willing to do these audits uh, because basically a non-profit, we are non-profit we have very tight funding we don't have uh, sufficient funds even to do the audit of the system so if somebody wants to use RGB on mainnet it is their responsibility to make sure that they are happy with the security level of RGB as an open source project and technology uh, so this is the first thing we are looking into is the audit and getting building the adoption and real assets and real smart contracts uh being issued on rgb uh we have uh, the plans for doing some assets by ourselves but probably let's not maybe discuss it next time because i don't want to yeah, spend sure, too sure. much time on that direction uh the second thing we are looking into is very 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 interesting and that's a huge thing and uh, like let, let's start with a vision like, you asked about why RGB is needed. I think that uh, the, at the end of the day, there will be no Bitcoin blockchain. Because um, it's a kind of um, thing we share with Giacomo and several other people. We believe that Bitcoin is great. Bitcoin blockchain is the Bitcoin problem. Like, it's the source of all uh, bad things about Bitcoin. Non-scalable, non-private uh chain analysis everything they, they, they all these problems are coming from blockchain and the question is but wow what what if not bitcoin, if not blockchain how you can do bitcoin well the answer was you can't that's why we have bitcoin blockchain so even if it is bad there is no other way of making something like bitcoin without this technology however client-side validation changes that much so if you can do that with a client-side validation Is there anything you can do to blockchain to shrink it as as much as possible, to remove all the data, even UTXO set, and still maintain some sort of single UCL primitive? And uh, we've been looking into this direction for three years already. And finally, we have some some concrete results, which is uh, we sent to the Bitcoin mail list several months ago a proposal called Prime. And that's a concept of layer one for client-side validation. And this layer one is scalable, and it is able to, like, you would have a fixed size of the block, which is like several bytes or several um, kil- kilobytes only, uh, committing com- containing all these client-side validated data commitments to very large number of transactions, which can be a millions or billions of transactions, and it does this single UCL seal uh, primitive with the data. And when you put the RGB on top of such prime thing, you basically get scalability, privacy, and everything. So the only thing that is missed is Bitcoin, because this prime layer, it doesn't have any token, any state, nothing. Uh, basically, so if you can move Bitcoin from Bitcoin blockchain into RGB, then you can transplant it on top of the prime, and there is no more Bitcoin blockchain, but there is a Bitcoin and this Bitcoin inherits the Bitcoin UTXO set and the ownership from blockchain. So th- th- is this it kind is kind of like a side uh, chain. Uh, no, no not because not you're not,
0: there's no peg back then.
1: Yes, there is no peg. Well, you 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 can as a launch you can use Bitcoin mining to secure. And again, you don't need drive chain for that. You can do that with the single use seals. Basically, you can connect other chain if you'd like to inherit the security, not the assets. Not Move Bitcoin. But if you would like to inherit the security of Bitcoin blockchain, you don't need merge mining. You just do the single UCL uh, construct and you can piggyback to the security of other chain. But uh, it's not right chain because you are not moving Bitcoin to Prime. You are moving Bitcoin to RGB, well, basically by, you can say, by burning Bitcoins on Bitcoin blockchain and issuing them on RGB. Or there could be other methods, like uh, you can uh lock them to 2 of 2 multi sig with a sun federation but again there is no trustless way to get out so once you move bitcoin to RGB you can move bitcoin to RGB trustless but you can't get out of RGB trustlessly there always be some some sort of assumption and that's that's um, a pity thing because uh, it creates a quite a large threshold we understand that. But this is not just problem of RGB. It's basically problem of uh, moving Bitcoin to anywhere. So with the current Bitcoin uh, consensus, it is not possible. But anyway, so we have this idea of uh, further extending the client-side validation and making Bitcoin more privable, more scalable. At least it will be possible with a prime for all assets or all contracts except Bitcoin itself. And when eventually Bitcoin will get uh, soft fork one or some other, we don't have any preferences in this regard, uh, there will be a way to move Bitcoin as well. The third thing we are looking into is the zero knowledge. So we are looking into compressing this client-side history with the zero knowledge proofs and making contracts interacting with each other also through the zero knowledge proofs. So that's uh, quite an important advancement which we will be working next years. And the final thing, we are, of course, we'll be investing a lot into the tool chain around RGB, creating like starting from integration into lightning nodes up to providing more high level ways to write a complex smart contracts like we are working today. Uh, well, today you can write the smart contracts with Rust or even YAML or JSON, but you can't use a Turing complete verification Some if you need something fancy. For that, you have a assembly language, which is very low level. And we are working on more high-level language, which is called Contractum, which is functional. And we'll be able to, with that language, you will be able to create complex smart contracts like uh, collateral based stable coins or liquidity pools and many other things okay so these are directions we are looking into
0: the prime one seems a little concerning to me though like if the idea is that you're trying to move bitcoin off of bitcoin per se then who's gonna are you presuming then that there'd still be enough kind of on-chain users of bitcoin that retain that system i mean it doesn't like at that point are you still using bitcoin Uh, it's kind of a bit confusing to me do you have any Further explanation on that? Or?
1: The Prime is not about moving Bitcoin. The Prime is how you can do something scalable, censorship-resistant and private without doing a blockchain. Okay. So the Prime with RGB uh, can work without Bitcoin. Okay, so you're saying it's more uh, like
0: absolutely. a other tokens or other functionality there is
1: no other token there is no idea of doing other token i'm just uh, saying that technologically it's a technology non-blockchain technology using client-side validation to build the system gotcha and uh but if you like to use it you can use it to move bitcoin to it and it's not like you need to some some fork Or everybody to agree. No, it's a decision of each Bitcoin owner. So if you'd like to move your Bitcoins, you have this option of moving Bitcoins there. If you don't, you don't move. Like there is nothing forcing you. There is no miners who decide, there's nobody. So that's, that's just a way how you can, if you need to have more private Bitcoin, if you need to have more uh, programmable Bitcoin, if you want to have a scalability without Lightning Network or Arc, you you can use this technology and move your Bitcoin there. If you think that there is higher risks because like it's a new technology and maybe these Bitcoins would be stolen due to some bugs, well, don't move. <laughs> That's very simple.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, interesting to chat, and um, it'll be yeah, I guess interesting to see where things go with the smart contracting aspects of it i guess one other area just before we finish up if you could explain a little bit you mentioned around futures and options and things like this could you just explain a little bit how that would work in an rgb context because maybe they're you know imagine in the future in the bitcoin financial system maybe there are people who want this kind of thing could you just explain how rgb would do these things like futures or this kind of thing Uh,
1: well it pretty much depends on which type of future you would like to have uh, but basic idea is that uh, you lock certain amount of assets or bitcoins to a condition which is Turing complete condition. Well, first, first of all, you can do futures even with a bitcoin today using DLCs. Right. But if you use DLCs for building the futures. You don't have a second asset so you, you can't have a future without the second asset even if it is a tokenized good like i would like to buy some i don't know tissues or oil tomorrow but you need to put it into digital world so you need to tokenize and that tokenized real world good is is, is an asset in terms of rtb so today with the bitcoin you can do dlc but what would be like on one side you have bitcoin what do you have on the other side like Colored coin, <laughs> master coin, <laughs> no. So with RGB, RGB brings the asset. So you just take the asset in RGB, you take the DLC, and you do the future. So that's the very simple thing. If you want to do something more fancy without DLC, because DLC itself is quite complex thing you can uh, bring two assets into rgb and write the turing complete conditions about when the asset can be spent so that's that's the two ways of of doing that with rgb i see
0: okay yeah so um yeah uh thanks for joining me today and explaining a little bit about that can you just uh, give people uh explain where they can come and find you online
1: if they want to find out more about you yeah sure well first of all there is a site called rgb tech where they can explore more about RGB, and it contains the lists of uh, all codes, source code repositories, standards, specifications, installation instructions. So it's a good entry point. It's officially maintained, site officially maintained by the association. Uh, There is also uh, the GitHub and the site of lnp.bp.org, which is site of association where you can find more about other projects related to lightning network and bitcoin, uh, bitcoin descriptor wallets and uh if, if somebody looking for to find myself well it's much harder i'm trying to hide <laughs> from people <laughs> to do some work <laughs> sometimes but uh, you can go on either github dr slash orlowski or on twitter it's probably the last two places where I'm still present. Um, uh, Twitter is also dr yeah, underscore yeah. Uh, So that's, that's it. Great.
0: Okay. Well, uh, thank you for joining me and uh, chat again sometime soon.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: Show notes are available at com slash 501 for this episode. Thanks, and I'll see you in the Citadels.